software's great till it goes out of date. You turn around and the latest, greatest solution is obsolete. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. And this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Every piece of technology comes with a kind of internal alarm clock set to go off when that particular solution is no longer able to meet the needs of modern-day business practices. And that moment seems to hit with increasing frequency these days. Of course, many of us keep slogging along with the old applications, dreading the complications of upgrades or the adoption of new ones entirely. Obsolescence is the inevitable downside of the technological age, And it's become even more of an issue with the wave of mobile devices that seem to come and go with the speed of high fashion. So how can businesses deal with this relentless pace of innovation? Today I'm speaking with John Chorley, Group Vice President of Product Strategy for Supply Chain Management Applications with Oracle. He'll help us to understand why companies stick with legacy systems long beyond their sell-by date and when it's time to embrace new applications. We'll also talk about how the coming of the cloud has made it easier to upgrade systems, provided that users can overcome concerns over cost, complexity, and the risk of making such a dramatic shift in who's storing their data. So here is my conversation with John Chorley. John Chorley, welcome to the show. Great to speak to you today, Bob. John, obsolescence has been a problem with technology ever since the birth of technology. What is the situation today, however? What's the problem with technology obsolescence that might make it more of a serious problem than it has been traditionally? Yeah, I think I would agree with you. Uh, Technology continues to move forward. And as a result, folks always are looking at where they are with their technology platforms and, and what the implications are if they don't make a change. I think the challenge right now is that we have a great number of changes in the way the supply chains are organized, the way businesses are organized, different business models, different ways of interacting, not only with your supply base, but also with your customers. And if your technology is not able to take advantage of that, to interact in those ways, change flexibly with the the shifting markets and, and, and business models, then you run a very serious risk of being left behind. Uh, Technology very often is an enabler, but it can also be an inhibitor if that technology has become obsolete. And I would imagine it's become exacerbated by the proliferation of mobile devices. So many of these things running around, it just seems within a couple of years, you've got to scrap it and get a new one. So that's also an issue, correct? It's not just the device, it's what that enables. It enables immediate connection with customers. Customers expect that things are available on their mobile device. There's obviously social platforms that are delivered both desktop and mobile. All of those things uh, have implications on how a business is going to interact with their customers. If you're not available 7 by 24 for many means uh, the customer chooses, then they are going to go elsewhere. Uh, and that is very much a key factor that's driving folks to reevaluate their technology platforms. And if we could touch on the human element for a moment, is there not this general human reluctance to let go of old systems, let go of legacy systems? I mean, if it's working, why scrap it? 
Do you find that to be a, an issue, a challenge with your own potential customers? Yes. I, I think you have to look at these things clear-eyed. You have to not scrap it just because there's some new shiny object. There has to be a business reason, a cost factor, or a growth factor, or a capability factor that's driving those changes. There is a, always a tendency to be cautious about making a change, but very often circumstances outside of your control are going to drive that. I often say there's two dimensions to this. There's the internal factors, which is your willingness, ability, your capacity to drive change internally within the business, and that obviously is in your control. And then there's external factors, which is new competitors, acquisitions, changes in business model, which are outside of your control. And those things often depends where you are in that matrix, if you like, that's going to drive your decision-making and help you make the right choice for when and how to make those technology changes. And who is driving those choices these days? It could be the line of business. It could be the IT department. It could be the CFO. It could be even somebody above that, chief supply chain officers or the like. Can we generalize or does that also raise complications because different companies have different individuals tasked with making those decisions? You're right. You can't really generalize. What I'd say, though, is those decisions are moving up in the business in terms of board level, and they are moving towards the business away from IT to some degree. In the past, I think there was such a heavy technology dependence on keeping these systems up and running, coding them, developing them, integrating them, that the IT role was totally central. With cloud and the systems being delivered much more as a service, the IT role is still there and still very important, but the business is the one who very often is looking for a change, is going to define how that new system is going to operate and is going to essentially have much more ownership of that solution platform. So. I would say the two things that are shifting are board level, the recognition that systems, IT capabilities are a key factor in competitiveness and and business growth. And then secondly, that the business process owners, the lines of business, have a greater say in, in how that technology platform evolves and changes. Well, back to the human element for a moment. Speaking of myself as a notoriously change-aversive individual, someone who tries to avoid all notifications to update or to load up new versions of software, I just wonder if that small problem at my individual level sometimes propagates throughout organizations because really, let's face it, it cannot be a big headache. You bring on a new version, and yeah, that new version in the long run is better, but you've got to learn it. Things are in a different place. Things happen differently. And who wants to put up with that anyway? I mean, isn't that still an issue you have to deal with? It absolutely is an issue. I think it's human nature, and and to not recognize that that exists as a challenge would essentially make projects fail. You have to embrace that, understand that, and then put in place a process that addresses those concerns uh, through engagement with the customer, with the users, involving them in that implementation process with clear guidance from leadership about how critical it is to the business to make these changes, and then obviously to demonstrate that it can be done in a positive, supportive, and business-positive way. You mentioned the idea, don't be taken in by the shiny new object. Of course, even the stuff that's not shiny and new, it's the stuff that's actually valuable to your company. There is a certain cost involved in human resources and technology and the product itself in bringing on these new versions and in moving on to higher levels of technology. 
Is it the case these days that you have to prove out the ROI of any move you might make much more than you did in the past, that companies are much more obsessed with being able to see a very quick return on their investment in these new types of technology? I think that is true. I do think also, though, that there's definitely ways to address that. I think historically, you got involved in these very lengthy implementation projects. You'd be developing software. There'd be requirements gathering processes. There'd be you know, design. There'd be development. And it would go on for years. The classic death march <laughs> towards <laughs> hoped for future nirvana. Nowadays, we can take a much more incremental approach. A few days after you sign a contract with Oracle, you're going to have a system deployed that you can start using. In a traditional environment, is not just simply not possible. So that really does shrink down the amount of time any project requires. You can also look at it in a more modular way. You can focus on certain elements of the solution, get those up and running, and deliver value with those much quicker. Not unique to Oracle, but but with cloud deployments, the focus is very much on having repeatable implementation processes that can be reduced in terms of time. And that, I think, gives people confidence to move forward with whatever the next phase is. So you can prove things out and then build on that, deliver business value, and then move on to the next phase. While that pressure to prove the value is there, the ability to do that in an accelerated way is also there. So let's talk about the cloud as a potential solution to some of these challenges that we've been talking about here. Is it the answer? Does it answer the question of the, the headaches and the hassle of having to update to a new version of software because the cloud simply just pushes it to you? You don't have to do anything yourself in terms of cost, in terms of ease of use. Is the cloud the answer? Well, we at Oracle believe it is. We're all in on the cloud. It is the engine that will uh, drive our future growth and our future business. We're very confident about that. It's just a better way to deliver software capabilities. The days of rolling your own and man even managing your own data centers, they're rapidly becoming something of the past. We do project dramatic reductions in the number of corporate data centers and that within 10 years, most of all core business applications will be run using cloud software. There will, of course, be some exceptions where folks have very specific requirements. Um, so those exceptions could require some degree of custom solutions, but even those can be run using platform as a service capabilities in centrally managed data centers. You're left with then a very few situations where because of national security considerations or something like that, there's a need to keep stuff isolated, but they're, they're going to shrink very much into the minority. And I think the benefit is because it shifts more of the responsibility for success to the software vendor to the service provider. We are now responsible for running the applications, for ensuring that the updates go through seamlessly. We're on more of a hook for delivering a quality of service. And I think that's just a good thing for the industry. The huge success of cloud services indicates that it has been very broadly accepted. Obviously, the cloud's been, been with us now for a few years. Is there still some pushback? Is there still some doubts in the minds of some companies as to whether or not the cloud is the answer? And if so, how can you address those concerns? 
mature those concerns, there's always a profile of way people adopt um, solutions. There's the bleeding edge, the, the early adopters, then you have the large majority, you have laggards. That's always going to be there. It's true of any new development, any new technology. But I think we're definitely into the, the mainstream adoption phase, and certain business segments are 100% cloud to all intents and purposes, CRM, 100% cloud. ERP is rapidly moving in that direction. I think supply chain has been slower. Um, I think just a natural conservatism guarding that. And also, frankly, a lack of true enterprise class supply chain solutions on the cloud. It's a little behind, if you like, in terms of broad stream adoption, but that's accelerating hockey stick wise as we speak. In the age of the Internet of Things, however, can cloud service companies keep up with the huge increase in the amount of data out there? I mean, if we follow Moore's law that where he said the number of transistors on an integrated circuit doubles every two years, and that's been generally thought to be in a larger sense the same with just uh, storage capability. Can cloud services keep up in the years ahead? Because it just seems like, I don't know if we're in danger of running out of server space, but is that an issue at any point? It's obviously a consideration, but if you, if you look around you and say, what are the biggest data stores that exist currently, and they're all on the cloud? Google, it's Amazon, it's Apple, they're all cloud-based. And so clearly those challenges have solutions. You look at the improvements in connectivity, Gen 5, mobile technology, much of that is driven by the need to support system-to-system -system communications, IoT-based communications. And those bandwidths are truly going to be incredible. So I'm confident we can handle that. There's obviously other technologies, streaming technologies, Kafka, all sorts of other fancy stuff to help manage that very large scale of data. Trust, security, operational continuity. Early concerns by companies who are making those decisions to go to the cloud. Are those still concerns to be addressed or do you feel that they've all been addressed and that they're no longer an issue? The way I put that is this. Our business success, our survival as a business is dependent on demonstrating those characteristics security, continuity, trust for the uh, user's data, providing service in all of those areas. So we are very motivated towards doing that. We also have tens of thousands of people beating on us, holding us to a very high standard. And then finally, we have the ability to concentrate within all of the data centers we operate, a very large capital investment and people investment. You take all of those three things together, and what you have is generally a far better capability to deliver those things than would be typical in a single enterprise corporate data center. More scale, more motivation to some degree, more technology that can be brought to bear to achieve those things, and more just sheer business pressure to be excellent in all of those aspects. All of those things taken together mean that we're in a much better place to deliver against those requirements. But again, get back to this issue of technology obsolescence. This really does seem to be one way to get around it, but I guess it puts the headache for dealing with that with the cloud service providers as opposed to the users of those services. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. We're providing a larger envelope 
we're providing not only the uh, technology, but also the applications, but also the operation of the system. So that larger envelope puts more of a responsibility on the cloud service provider. Well, I certainly appreciate this discussion about the challenge of technology obsolescence, especially from the standpoint of change-averse of individuals such as myself. And I hope companies can benefit, too, from this talk about the value of the cloud. So, John Chorley, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's been great talking with you, Bob. That was my conversation with John Chorley of Oracle talking about the cost of technology obsolescence. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.